Kraft has the snap, guns it over the middle, intercepted by Deacon Diltz at the 40. Elaine to the outside, picks up a block in Norwell territory at the 20. Down to the 10, to the pylon. It's a touchdown. Deacon Diltz takes it to the house. A 60-yard pick six, and Ole Miss within one. And the fall for the game. The ball is up, and it is You're listening to In the Press Box. Now, here are your hosts, Dalton Bishop and Josh Dakin. And welcome into another episode of In the Press Box Season 1, episode number 9. Pleasure to be with you. Josh, it's been a long time. Our lives have been so stinking busy, but my (laughs) friend, I'm glad to be back doing another episode with you. Yeah, glad to be back. You know, between school starting and us doing a lot of volleyball and football around (laughs) the local area, kind of got our hands tied, so you know, we're not able to do this like we would. I would say probably not going to be able to... (laughs) record two episodes a week anymore we might have to condense that down to one episode maybe weekly or bi-weekly yeah up until like that. Uh, at least until the summertime yeah i mean in the summertime it's wide open but i especially with basketball season coming up i know yeah. you're going to be doing a lot of announcing i'm coaching so uh gonna be pretty busy i i think that we start <laughs> we have middle school tryouts starting tomorrow so i think uh the road is going to be very traveled here the next uh, couple of months. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, shout out to the Hoosier Report, by the way. These guys have been honest for the last couple yeah. of weeks about uh, getting this uh, podcast back up and running. So we're back up and running, and, and we might <laughs> as well just uh, kind of preview what we've got going on yeah. today's show. Uh, obviously, sectional football. It's week one of the sectional coming up this weekend. We'll dive into sectional competition, kind of preview who we think could win some of the sectionals. We'll talk about the county teams as well. Also going to talk about IU football. It's been a while since we've been able to talk about that. A lot of changes going on, a lot of frustration around that IU football program. And uh, before we get on that topic, we might as well just go ahead and dive right into our episode here. Sectional number 20, the teams in that sectional, Mississippi Western, Columbia City, Huntington North, Frankfurt, Marion, Kokomo, and Jay County. The first matchup at the top of the bracket Mississippi nine and zero at Western four and five. Yeah, what a matchup this is going to be! <laughs> I thought you were going to run through all of them. Okay, you kind of caught me off. Yeah, we might there, as well just go game by game. Here. Okay, all right. So yeah, this Mississippi team coming in at nine and zero. You've got a Western team, Western team who's four and five, but probably better than the record shows. Uh, they run a unique style of offense. I think this could be a really good matchup for Mississippi, but I do think that Mississippi will steamroll Western. Uh, I've been a little low on Mississippi, I think, throughout the year, and I think that's just because of my maybe negative ties to the school over the <laughs> last however many years. And, I mean, people know that I'm pretty open about that. Uh, but I think Mississippi will probably steamroll them here, and I think they're going to be setting up beautiful for a semifinal matchup there on October the 27th. Yeah, to that point, Mississippi, a team 9-0, and the first time uh, being undefeated uh, – our second time over the last seven years, uh, they also went undefeated, I believe, back in 2016, uh, which would have been our junior year 
uh, of, yeah. of high school. So that was pretty cool to be a part of that. Uh, Mrs. Cinema, a team that's got, uh, you know, you've seen them because you've done a couple of games yeah. uh, with me this year on the Action Sports Network. By the way, appreciate Andy McCord for allowing us to do that. Um, but Mrs. Cinema, a team offensively that's so dynamic. They can throw the ball. They can run the ball. They got a quarterback in Nolan Quadrer who won Indy Star Player of the Week up for nomination again this week. We encourage you to go vote for him for Indy Star Player of the Week. They've got an offensive line who plays as a, a really strong unit. Gavin Blake kind of heads that offensive line, a kid that's got some D1 offers, Valpo looking at him. Uh, and he's got some college uh, game day visits. A, a team offensively that's just got all the likings. Deacon Deltz, an offer to Indiana Westland. Yeah. On the other side, you've got Beans Fortney, who's had a remarkable senior year. Yeah, I mean, you've you've mentioned a lot of different pieces that they have, <laughs> and it's not something that you normally see with teams in this area. They're loaded at just about every position. You look at this Mississippi team, and I'm a little bit biased to the Coach Funk era. But I think this team is probably better than any of Coach Funk's teams just because of the pure athleticism that this team holds. And he never had a quarterback like Nolan Quaterer. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the competition hasn't been great. I mean, they have not played a lot of good teams this year because the conference has just been so down. Mm -hmm. I mean, Oak Hill is solid before all the injuries. Yes. Madison Grant was okay, but they've kind of fallen off here the last couple of weeks. It's going to be a real test for this Mississippi team going into the sectional because there are some pretty good teams in this sectional. But, I mean, just the dynamic of Nolan Quarter able to throw the ball the way he does. I mean, his her, hit, his, ooh, his <laughs> progression from year one yeah. to now is outstanding and unbelievable. I mean, quite frankly, I didn't think that he could get where he's at right now. And to win Indy Star Player of the Week and be nominated again – uh, pretty special on his part, so I think that that goes to show all the hard work that he's putting in and just all the other kids that you named. This is a deep roster. They're very athletic, and they're fairly young. I mean, Deacon Diltz, Beans, Fortney, Gavin Blake, and Nolan Quarter are all seniors. Yeah. But their youth looks really good, too. So this could be a program trending in an upward direction. Coach Burrish has, you know, been better every year. And I think that he will continue to keep that program headed in the right direction. But like I said, they're going to beat Western. And um, we'll, as we keep going through the bracket here, we'll kind of tell you kind of who we think is going to win. But I think Mississippi will easily get into that second round. Yeah, just uh, uh, while we're on the Mississippi topic, I just want to throw a few more things out there. Nolan Quadra has thrown for 1,732 yards this season. Just one interception, 22 touchdowns. He's completed 74% of of his passes, he's passing for 193 yards a game. But but the last thing I want to talk about for Mrs. Cinema before we dive in and talk about the rest of this sectional, because we do have another county team in this sectional that I want to talk about as well. I, I think that a lot of people look at the offense and say, okay, wow, they're so good. But I think the defense is even better. Jeremy Lochner has done a phenomenal job. You'll appreciate this, a former Eastbrook guy. He is. Um, and, and Coach Adamson alluded to it uh, Friday night when Miss Cinema defeated Eastbrook, how proud he was of Jeremy Lochner and what a great job he's done. You talk to the Mrs. Cinema community, you talk to the Miss Cinema players, they love Jeremy Lochner. They're willing to run through a wall for him. I'm willing to run through a wall for him, and I don't even know who he <laughs> is other than just knowing that he's an Eastbrook guy, and I talked to him for a brief time on Friday. It's nice for me, you know, running change for the chain, like the chain gang for the home football games at Eastbrook because I get to be down there with the opposing team and kind of listen yes. to what they say. And he was by far the most an animated coach that we've had all year at Eastbrook. 
Um, really the whole Mrs. Cinewall crew was. They do a great job with these kids. Uh, Coach Burrish is a class act. And I don't say that often about Mrs. Cinewall people just because of just the misconceptions that the school has. But he does a great job. He really does. I'm super proud of him. You know, being a former Mrs. Cinewall student and graduating from Mrs. Cinewall, it makes me feel really good that mm -hmm. there's still a little bit of hope and that he really does cherish that and really has taken this team a long way. Definitely a guy that uh, appreciates where he's at and appreciates the job. I'm like you, Josh. I think Mrs. Cinewall takes care of business on Friday night. Not going to give score predictions, but I do think they will yeah. beat Western. That other matchup uh, at the top half of that bracket – the winner of game one, which is Miss Cinewall and Western, would play the winner of this matchup in week two. It's Columbia City at five and four, Huntington North one and eight. It's a Columbia City team that started five and zero oh and has now went zero oh and four the last four weeks. Yeah, they've kind of fallen off the mountain here, but they're also playing a team who's not good at all, and that's <laughs> Huntington North. Um, Eastbrook plays Huntington North week one of the season, so I was able to watch Huntington North. You know, it was at Eastbrook doing chain gangs once again. And, yeah, just not very good. Their former coach at Huntington North is a east side guy, which is the conference that I was in mm -hmm. last year at Garrett. And really good coach. They just don't have a lot. They're one of the worst 4A schools in the state, if not the worst. So, well, you could argue that Frankfurt maybe is the worst. <laughs> so you got two of the worst teams in 4A in this sectional. Columbia City will walk through this one easily. And that's going to set up a Mississinawal-Columbia City game. And that game will be played at Columbia City. Yeah, Columbia City, Josh, is a team that offensively is dynamic. Kind of when you look at Mrs. Senewal, you think, wow, this team's dynamic. Huntington North is not a team that's dynamic offensively. They like to just run that ball ground yes. and pound. On the flip side of that, when you look at the Columbia City Eagles, this is a team that they don't throw the ball a ton, but their quarterback, um, Bradbury, who's a junior, he's completed 25 of 48 attempts passing the ball for 577 yards. Uh, that's 52% completion. They've passed the ball this season 604 yards total, and they've ran the ball for 1,604. A, a team similar to that Western team that we talked about. They will throw the ball some, but they, they really like to just pound the ball right down your throat. Yeah, they lean on the run, and I think most teams in high school do. Mrs. Cinewall is a, uh, an exception to that rule and that's running the ball. I do like this Columbia City team, and this is a conference matchup, so don't think Huntington North <laughs> is just going to fall over and let Columbia City have it. Well, the Northeast State is one of the best conferences in, throughout the state of Indiana in all types of sports. I was going to say in all sports. So I, I think that will be a good matchup. It's a conference matchup. I do think Columbia City will win, and that's going to set up a Mississinawal at Columbia City for week number two of the sectional. As we move down the bottom half of the bracket, uh, the first matchup, Frankfurt at 1-8 and eight, at Marion 2-7, and seven, a matchup of two teams that are struggling. But with that being said, I do think Marion has trended in the right direction the last couple of weeks, but they've played some juggernauts. Yeah, they played some juggernauts. I mean, they do play in one of the toughest conferences in the state, as you mentioned and alluded to, with the NE8. I mean, the NCC is also very much up there in contention for a very tough conference. Uh, there's not a lot not a lot I want to talk about with this matchup. I know you want to highlight Marion a little bit, but Marion's going to win this game, and that's that. Yeah, so Marion is a team that started the season kind of shaky uh, at best is what we would say, um, but a team that's progressed very well. Logan Barnes, the, 
The transfer from Mississippi has went over to Marion, has fit in pretty well. He was hurt with a hamstring injury. He's back and has added a, a new dynamic to this Marion Giant offense. He was their one of their only touchdowns last week at quarterback. Uh, but Tim Jones has done a great job at quarterback as well. You've got two kids that can play quarterbacks that are that are sophomores. Logan Barnes on the year, 8 of 21 for 103 yards. Tim Jones, 58 of 135 for 675 yards on offense. Running the ball, though, I think this team has got some studs on the team. Jaden Johnson at tailback, 86 carries, 393 yards, and three touchdowns. I think for Marion, a lot of it's going to depend on do they turn the ball over offensively, and can they get Jaden Johnson going? Yeah, I mean, I think that if you have those two things happen, you're going to win the ball game, and I just don't think this is going to be very competitive. You've got two poor teams, I would say, but Marion is much more athletic. Marion's going to be more fundamental. Marion is better coached. I mean, Chambers has proved himself to be <laughs> a good Craig Chambers coach. has done great. So, I mean, Marion's going to win. The final matchup of sectional number 20 at the very bottom of that bracket. You've got 7-2 and two Kokomo at Jay County, who is 4-5. I don't think there's any question this is not a game at all. Kokomo will blow out Jay County. Yeah, Kokomo won't only blow out Jay County, but Kokomo will also blow out Marion, too, and Kokomo is going to be playing for a sectional championship. I'll tell you, Kokomo is the team that can throw the ball, but, again, a team that likes to run the ball. Reese Beard is their quarterback. He's a senior 27 completions on 45 attempts for 466 yards. His completion percentage is 60%. He's been very efficient throwing the ball. A number that sticks out to me, four touchdowns, but just as many interceptions with four. Yeah, and that's something you got to try to limit, especially in high school athletics. I mean, you can't turn the ball over, especially when you don't throw the ball a ton. And, I mean, at one point, Kokomo was ranked number two in Class 4A in the state. Yeah. I mean, 7-2 and two is a good record, they are nonetheless. Now, they are now ranked 7th, by the way, and Mississippi Wall is ranked 5th. Oh, that'll be a good match. Yeah, that's that's then. in the coaches' poll. I only look at the coaches' poll. I yeah. don't look at the media poll. No, I agree. That's the only one that matters. So, Reese Beard not only can throw the ball, he's thrown for 466 yards. He rushes the ball as well. He's had 100 carries, 649 yards rushing, 12 touchdowns. Outside of him, really, their only other significant offense comes from Darian Story, Jr., He's got 84 carries, 446 yards rushing, and five touchdowns. Between the two, that's 17 rushing touchdowns. That's that's <laughs> pretty impressive. I mean, just to do it double digits, let alone 17, that's pretty impressive. So I would say you're going to have a Mississippi-Cinewa-Kokomo championship matchup. It's going to be played at Mississippi-Cinewa. I think this year the Indians get redemption on their home field. Oh, this one's a tough one for me. I mean, you you got two top ten ranked teams. You do, and and, and Kokomo has proven that they can dominate Mississippi. While they they showed it a year ago. Yeah. Both of these teams lost key pieces, but what I think separates Mississippi from Kokomo is the dynamic on offense. They can't only run the ball; they can throw the ball as well. I think Kokomo specifically just wants to ground and pound. If Mississippi can take away the run game, force them to throw it, I think they win. Yeah, I'm going to shock a lot of people here, and I'm I'm going to I'm going to put the world on shock. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to pick Mississippi to win this. I do think that they've got the pieces to make a run here. Um, I think they're going to have to play a perfect ball game, but I simply will take them because they're at home, and I trust Coach Burrish. I'm also going to say something that people are going to say. Okay, now he's got a rock loose in his head. Mississippi has not won a sectional, or uh, sorry, has not won a regional 
since 1982. I think the Indians, once they get to regional, they've got that pressure off their shoulders of beating Kokomo. They're playing more freely. They clean up the mistakes. They're playing sharp. They're playing good at the right time. I think they win a regional. I think they're good enough to win a semi-state. And I think they're good enough to be playing at Lucas Oil Stadium come November. I mean, let's just take it one game at a time. I mean, do I think that they have the I potential? do want to take it one game at a time, but what I'm saying is I think that this team's got the potential to be playing at Lucas Oil Stadium this season. Uh, and I'll, I've been saying this for five weeks. I'll start with the sectional, and then we'll, we'll reassess. Yes. No, I, I know. I, I completely get it, yeah. definitely for you from a coaching standpoint. But – yeah. I just want to. I want everyone to hear it, that I said it first. I've been saying it for yeah. five weeks. You can attest to that. But uh, we'll we'll move on into uh, Class Three A and Sectional Number Twenty Eight. The first matchup features Garen Catholic at seven and two, Peru nine and zero. I don't care what you say about the records. Garen Catholic will dominate Peru. Yeah, and I don't have it pulled <laughs> up here. Give me just a second. I was trying to add to your point here about this this regional matchup that Mrs. Sinewall is going to have here, and I'm looking at the... Uh, they would play probably Leo, in my opinion, from sectional number 20, uh, or sectional number 19. Here's the problem. That sectional is loaded. It You've is. got Eastside, who's fantastic. You've got New Haven, who's fantastic. Got a kid going to play, I believe, at Notre Dame. Is that right? You said New Haven? Yeah. No, he's playing at Ohio State. Okay, Milan Ohio Graham. State. Okay, Ohio State. Fort Wayne South is terrible. Um, and then of course Leo. So you're gonna have a you're gonna have a match up there that could be pretty tough. You've also got DeKalb and Angola who are both solid. And then you've got Fort Wayne Bishop, uh, Lures, or sorry, Dwanger and Fort Wayne Wayne. So whoever wins that sectional is gonna be an <laughs> awful tough matchup for Mrs. Cinewall. But I do think that Mrs. Cinewall could win that, and it does look like that Mrs. Cinewall would be the home team for the semi state. For the regional and semi-state, well, you can't. Well, no, I don't think I, unless so. they redraw like they do for basketball. Well, I don't know that they would because I don't think you can host three straight home games in the state tournament. I don't know how that works. At least it used to be that way. I'm not sure. I'm not sure know. how that works. That, that's interesting. But nonetheless, just to, for the simple fact that if they could win a regional, yeah, I think this Gas City community would be on cloud nine. I mean, that's something that ha they haven't experienced oh, yeah. since 1982. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Okay, so sorry, where are we at now? We're in sectional number 28, class okay. 3A, yes, the 7-2 yes. and two Garen Catholic Golden Eagles taking on the Peru Tigers, who's 9-0, and Garen Catholic 7-2. and two. I think Garen Catholic will steamroll Peru, and, and there's no question in my mind. Ooh, this is a tough one. Peru, I, I, I'm sorry. I, Peru has had a great season. They're undefeated. I don't think they have a living chance against Garen Catholic. Here's the problem, and let me just allude to this. There are four teams in this sectional who are undefeated. <laughs> this is the toughest sectional in Class 3A. This is maybe the toughest sectional as a collective whole throughout the entire state of Indiana. You've got Peru 9-0. You've got Tippy Valley 9-0. You've got Hamilton Heights 9-0. You've got Indianapolis Chittard 9-0. You've got Garen Catholic 7-2. You've got McConaughey 6-3. You've got Oak Hill 5-4. And, and the only team with a losing record is Northwestern at 3-6. I will say simply because Garen Catholic plays a tougher schedule, I'll take Garen Catholic in this first game. I will say Peru has had the best season probably in the school's history. Yeah, Peru has had a remarkable season. Garen Catholic, a team that kind of we talked about dynamic. We talked about Mrs. Cinewa. I think Garen Catholic kind of 
emulates that dynamic as well. Ryan Zimmerman is their quarterback. Uh, 114 completions on 212 attempts passing for 53%. Uh, 1,426 yards through the air, 15 touchdowns to just three interceptions. Running the ball, Peter Rooney, he's had 154 carries for 870 yards. His longest on the year is 74 yards. He has eight touchdowns. Receiving the ball through the air, it's, it's spread out across the way for Ryan Zimmerman. He's connected on 12 receptions for 213 yards with Malcolm Hoosie. Uh, Hoosie has three touchdowns. Also, he's connected with the wide receiver Hayden Kler for 19 catches, 281 yards, and two touchdowns. His leading receiver, though, is a senior number 14, Alex Gibbs. He's had 26 catches, 376 yards, and four touchdowns. Seems loaded to me. I mean, those are some good statisticals when you're talking about high school football. Yes. Now, the next matchup features another school who's got a very good shot. The defending 3A state champions, Indianapolis Bishop Chittard Trojans. They will host Tippy Valley, both teams 9-0. and Indy Chittard's going to win this one in a shootout. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you, Chittard's another team that has that offensive dynamic. They've got... A quarterback who is a senior, um, Aiden Ortega, who's 27 of 49, 343 yards through the air, five touchdowns. They run the ball quite a bit as well. Um, le their leading rusher is their quarterback, Aiden Ortega. He's had 15 carries, 120 yards rushing. They score most of their touchdowns, though, throwing the ball. Yeah, they do, and this team is really good. They played a really tough schedule. I think the most impressive win on that schedule is the win against Indianapolis Cathedral where they beat them 24-21. Tippy Valley's good but not good enough to withstand this firepower of Indianapolis Chittard. Um, <laughs> it's going to come down to one or two teams in this sectional. It's going to be Indianapolis Chittard or Hamilton Heights. I like it. I just kind of I, like I, I jumped the gun a little bit. Northwestern McConaughey is going to win. I mean – I like your uh, prediction there. That is our next matchup, by the way. Northwestern 3-6, and six, McConaughey 6-3. Six McConaughey has had a very solid season. This yeah. is a team who can really air the ball out on offense. Their quarterback, Braxton Bierner, he's a senior. He's thrown the ball 173 times – or sorry, 173 completions for 275 attempts, 62% completion. Here's the big stat. 2,394 yards through the air, Josh. He's thrown for 28 touchdowns, five interceptions. 28 touchdowns is a lot. Yeah, that's by far the best statistic that we've heard from a quarterback yet this far, and it's just going to be too much for Northwestern to withstand. The leading receiver on that McConaughey football team is Fuddy Kyle. He's caught the ball 63 times for 1,133 yards, 13 touchdowns for the McConaughey Braves. Holy cow. That's pretty good for a receiver, especially in this area, really in all of high school in general. I mean, to have over 1,000 yards and to have 13 touchdown receptions, that's pretty good. The final matchup in sectional number 28, Hamilton Heights 9-0 and at Oak Hill, who's 5-4. and I hate to say it, but I think Hamilton Heights gets the win. Yeah, and I would have taken Oak Hill if they didn't have so many injuries, but they're just injury depleted. I mean, this season they started off, what, 5-0, and 4-0, and it's just been a downward spiral ever since. I mean, really half of their team, it feels like, has gotten hurt. Yeah. So 
I really like this Hamilton Heights team. I mean, clearly they're 9-0. They're good. They're going to beat McConaughey. They're going to be playing for sectional championship. Oak Hill is a team, though, offensively. Their quarterback, Levi Trexler, a senior. He's completed 56 passes on 117 attempts for 47%, 869 yards, four touchdowns, six interceptions. He's a good team leader. Yeah, great team leader. You know, I know Levi very well, and I think that he is a he's a good leader. Um, I think he's a solid player. I mean, he's been offered by Indiana Wesleyan. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that his future is bright if he decides to take that path. But I just don't know if he's going to have enough to get this team over the edge against this Hamilton Knights team. The major, major injury to that Oak Hill team was Avery Mills, their senior. 86 carries, 319 yards, two t- or eight touchdowns before going out in week four. But Will Warnick has done a great job at stepping in. He's had 95 carries, 512 yards, nine touchdowns, and I really like what he's all about. Yeah, I really like what he's all about. You know, it's that next man up mentality, and I think he's done a really good job of that. The only problem is is he's kind of put in a position to where he's going to have to be absolutely spectacular for them to have a chance, and he's been very, very solid not to take credit away from him, but just doesn't have that same – it factor that maybe Avery did have. Yeah, but Osmond has done a great job, as always, at Oak Hill. Uh, but I, I think Bishop Chittard probably wins sectional number 28. Absolutely, not even a doubt in my mind. That'll move us into 2A, sectional number 36. The first matchup at the very top of the bracket, it features 0-9 Blackford at 1-8 Tipton. I think Tipton will get the win, and here's why. Uh-huh. Tipton gave Western, who will play Mrs. Sinwall, a heck of a game. Yeah, Tipton's only win was against Elwood. Blackford lost Elwood, and I don't play these kind of games where you compare <laughs> teams and their wins. I was getting ready to say, hey, wait a minute. I don't play that game, <laughs> but Tipton is too much for Blackford. Blackford, I mean, just has injuries once again. Uh, just been a really disappointing season for the Bruins, so Tipton will walk away with this one. Tipton, a team very similar to Blackford. They do not throw the ball hardly at all. Their leading rusher is Calvin Condict, who uh, has had 177 carries, 722 yards, uh, five touchdowns on the year. He kind of leads the way for that Tipton Blue Devil offense. Yeah, I mean, I think he leads the way, and I think that he's going to have to lead the way if they want to beat Blackford, but I do think that he will take care of business and Tipton will get this win. Elwood 1-8 and eight at Eastern Greentown, who's 7-2. and two. No doubt I think Eastern Greentown gets the win, but I'll tell you what, Elwood has really impressed me by the way they fight. Elwood has been much improved compared to the prior years, but Eastern Greentown is way too much. Eastern Greentown got the good draw of this sectional, and I think they're going to be playing for a sectional championship after they beat Tipton in round number two. Eastern's been a team that's been very competitive, Josh, the last several years. Uh, a team that just time and time again continues to battle, continues to show that they're not as bad as people say they are. They're not as bad as what people say they are, but the thing that they're missing is tournament success. They need to find a way to bottle up some lightning and have a little bit of term- tournament success. And if you're going to do it, this is the year. Their quarterback is Eli Edwards. He's a senior, 105 completions on 160 attempts, 65% completion. He's thrown the ball for 1,904 yards and 19 touchdowns. It's another team that likes to kind of throw the ball. Their leading rusher on the year is Jaden Eagle, a senior who wears number 31, 128 carries, 1,447 yards on the ground, and 17 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty impressive. 
The next matchup, the top half of the bottom bracket, the Eastbrook Panthers at six and three at Frankton four and five. What a matchup. Yeah, it's gonna be a doozy <laughs> of a matchup. I was trying to figure out what adjective I wanted to use to describe it. You've got a good matchup here. You've got two teams that played in the regular season, and Eastbrook beats Frankton by a touchdown, 28-21, and that's with the starting quarterback going out in the second quarter. Um, Kind of a tragic story there, but he is back and playing. Um, This Frankton team is is improved from the last time that Eastbrook saw him. Actually, John Harrell has actually got them favored. Has Frankton favored by a point, 28-27, but you can throw all that out the door. Eastbrook's going to win this game. I don't foresee there being any issues. You can't ever bet against Coach Hanson when it comes sectional time. <laughs> uh, I really, My biased opinion is coming out a little bit. I do think that even though they're 6-3, they are a good team. I know Mrs. Sinewall, uh thumped them here this past week, but that's what Eastbrook needed. They needed to refocus. They had won three in a row. They beat a really good Madison Grant team. They're back on track now. And I think that if you're Frankton, you got the worst possible draw you could get because you got to play Eastbrook after a thump. And Jeff Adamson doesn't usually lose two games in a row. I would agree. And I think for Frankton, there's no better motivator than to play Eastbrook, though, yeah. because you lost to him last year in the regular season on a heartbreaker. You lost to him last season in the sectional. You lost this season in the regular season, and now you got to play him again in the sectional. Bodie Howe leads the way at quarterback for this Eastbrook team. He's just a sophomore who shows uh, tremendous leadership. He's almost like a senior leader in a sense. Oh, absolutely. He's thrown the ball 55 times, which is probably a school record for Jeff Adamson. He's completed 30 of 55 for 54%, 400 yards through the air, three touchdowns, just one interception that came this past Friday. The leading rusher uh, on the team is Gage Engel, 202 carries, 915 yards and 17 touchdowns. Bodie Howe, 129 carries, 810 yards, and six touchdowns. This team, uh, a team that you would typically say likes to pound the ball down the throat of the defense. They still do, but they also have the dynamic of Bodie Howe being able to throw the ball. Yeah, they've got the dynamic of him being able to throw the ball, and they run the they run the offense out of the shotgun now, which is something that Jeff Adamson doesn't normally do. So it kind of gives you a new look, and I really like Eastbrook's chances come Friday. I will tell you, though, this next matchup has got what I have circled for the best <laughs> matchup in this sectional. But I'm going to tell you right now before you kind of dive into some of this, it's not even going to be close. I don't think so either. Bluffton is going to win this game easily. We're, well, we're going to dive into that in just a second. I do want to highlight Frankton a little bit, who's 4-5. Oh, okay. Uh, Mark Luzatter has done a good job with that Frankton football program. His son, Nate Luzatter, kind of heads the way there at the, at the tailback position. Kind of runs downhill, got a lot of force. But I would agree, I think Eastbrook steamrolls Frankton and, and kind of makes a, a statement in a sense of like, hey, we're back. Yeah. But we'll dive into that next matchup, the final matchup in sectional number 36. It's Bluffton at 7-2, and two, Alexandria at 8-1. and one. I'm going to go the opposite of you. I think Alexandria is going to put a whoop into Bluffton. I mean, this is the first matchup we've actually disagreed on. I don't quite know how to take it. I mean, I'm just looking from what I remember, and yes, Alexandria is ranked sixth. Bluffton's ranked seven. Bluffton beat it a really good Lake – sorry, beat it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I meant to say defeated. You're a history teacher. I know, okay. yes. It's not English, that's for sure. <laughs> Can't wait till the boys hear this. Oh, gosh. Bluffton defeated <laughs> – 
a really good Lakeland team, 32 to 14 in their last outing. Uh, this Alexandria team is good, but Bluffton plays a much more difficult schedule, and I think that this Bluffton team at Bluffton is not going to have. Or sorry, they're at Alexandria, but they're not going to have any any trouble. They're going to win this game. I love Pete Gast. I love what he's doing down there in Alexandria. Not enough for the Tigers. Bluff- the Bluffton Tigers. <laughs> Bluffton um, passing the ball. They're led by Braxton Betancourt, 42 completions on 77 attempts, 604 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Running the ball on the ground, they have a freshman that leads the way. Cooper Craig, 96 carries, 577 yards, two touchdowns. They also have a senior in Ben Ramsier who is had 27 carries, 175 yards, two touchdowns. Really well-balanced uh, offensively uh, running the ball as well as Tucker Jenkins, who's a senior, 50 carries, 365 yards, four touchdowns. A, bal- a balanced offense indeed. Yeah, it's balanced. and I. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, the reason I think, <laughs> I don't though, know. I just – Here's the reason I think Alexandria wins, though, Josh. This okay. is a team that's got every reason to be fired up. They're 8-1, and one, their best record in forever. Mm-hmm. Pete Gast has done a phenomenal job with this Alexandria football program. They've got a dynamic on offense. Their quarterback, Brady Gast, is a sophomore. He's thrown for... 1,476 yards on 109 completions, 157 attempts. He's completing 70% of his passes, 16 touchdowns. Rushing the ball, Gabe McGuire is very dynamic. He can also throw the ball. He's also a wide receiver. Running the ball, 23 carries, 201 yards, and a touchdown. But I'm telling you, Bluffton doesn't have an answer for this. Carson Cuno, who's a senior, runs with force. 129 carries, 1,033 yards, 18 touchdowns. The guy is a tank. He's a tank. He's tough. Eastbrook couldn't stop him in Indiana Wesleyan, but I'm going to tell you, I just have a feeling Bluffton is going to win this. Bluffton's going to put some people on uh, the radar after this game. I think they're going to. Essentially, you can now call it an upset. <laughs> Bluffton will upset Alexandria. I'm going to call it now. Eastbrook wins the sectional. Ooh, you put me on the spot here because now I've really got to be honest. Um, <laughs> Bluffton's going to win the sectional. I love Eastbrook. You know, I work there. I, I I want the kids to win. I want the kids to be successful. I want Coach Adamson to be successful. But at the end of the day, you've, you, you, you just got to – my brain tells me Bluffton will win the sectional. My heart tells me Eastbrook will win. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with my brain. I'm going to say Bluffton. I never bet against Jeff Adamson, never going to. I'm going to say Eastbrook. I'm probably biased, but I'm going to say Eastbrook. That takes us to 1A, the final sectional we'll talk about in high school football, sectional 44. The first matchup, the 6-3 and three, Madison Grand Argyles and the Northfield Norsemen at 4-5. and five. I think Brady Turner gets a win. Madison Grant yeah. advances to the second round. Absolutely, not even close. Madison Grant, their quarterback, Xavier Yegi, uh, they they do not have any stats on Max Preps, but uh, Xavier Yankees done a phenomenal job at quarterback. They're running back Cole Stitt, Andy Stanley, Maverick Miller. They've, they've, they've got a dynamic on offense as well that can be hard to stop. They do have that dynamic of being very tough to stop, but they've got to find a way to stop the bleeding here over the last couple of weeks and turn it around. You led 14-3 to against or against Alexandria last week, and then you end up losing the game 20-14. to so you got to find a way to not give up those runs. And I think if you do, Madison Grant's going to play for a sectional championship. 
because there's not really a lot to talk about in this next matchup. I mean, you got one and eight North Miami, one and eight Southern Wells. North Miami will beat Southern Wells. Madison Grant will beat North Miami to play for sectional championship. The problem is when you get to the bottom side of this bracket, that's where things can get a little bit interesting. Yeah, Madison Grant defensively, I think, has been very phenomenal as well. I think Brady Turner, I mean, there's no there's no question about it. You and I have talked about this. We can play the what-if game. We've played the what-if game uh, yeah. talking outside of this podcast that they were a few turnovers from possibly beating Mississippi, a team that's 9-0 and and a team, I think, that has the dynamic to play at Lucas Oil Stadium this season. So I think that says a lot about Madison Grant. But you're right. At the very bottom of that bracket, you've got South Adams 6-3 and against Adams Central, who's 9-0. and and then the, the very bottom matchup is Fremont, 3-6, and six, Southwood 4-5. and five. I think you're going to have Adams Central and Southwood. I think Adams Central, Madison Grant play for the sectional championship. I'm not going to count the Argyles out. I'm not. I think Adams Central is probably the best team in that sectional, but I think if Madison Grant can play a perfect game, limit the mistakes, uh, control the time of possession on offense, keep the ball out of Adams Central's hands, I think Madison Grant can win a sectional. I love Brady Turner, okay? I think you kind of know where I'm going with this now. Let's yes. start with that. I love Brady Turner, but Adam Central's the best team in Class A. Adam Central's going to be winning the state championship. They've been the prior two years, or at least the last year for sure, to the state championship where they lost. This is that senior group that Adam Central's been waiting for. Yeah. They're going to win the state championship. I like it. All right. Well, let's going to move into our next – segments and a segment that uh the one i'm looking forward to we're only going to spend about uh 15 minutes talking about because if we spend much longer than that josh and i will be on here for four more hours talking about the frustrations of iu football but josh uh the last time we were talking about iu football we were excited for the season to start we (laughs) went down to the season opener um and and i honestly josh they played ohio state much more competitively than I think people thought they would. I know they played them much tougher than I thought they would. <laughs> it was, an, I think, an opportunity for them to kind of showcase what they were able to do. From there, it was kind of <laughs> a steamroll effect. They beat Indiana State, which, okay, come on. They're the worst team in FBS. They hung tough with Louisville, which I would say, okay, that's that's not bad. You went to quadruple overtime with a MAC team in Akron. That's not a, a knock on the MAC, but you're a Power 5 program in IU. You can't go to quadruple overtime. Yeah. You get blown out by Maryland 44-17. You get blown out by Michigan 52-7. to But after that Maryland game, IU made the best decision I think they've ever made in IU football history, and that is firing Walt Bell. <laughs> Whew, where do I start? You really <laughs> unloaded it all. Um, let's start with, you talked about Ohio State. It got our hopes up because Ohio State's awful. Okay, when I say awful. For their standards. They're awful for their standards and just simply game one coming out of the shoot with a brand-new quarterback, essentially a brand-new roster. They needed some time to gel and get things going. They didn't give up an offensive touchdown in that game. It was all field goals and a defensive score. I was really impressed with the defense. But then – you play Indiana State, okay, great. Still didn't give up an offensive touchdown. The seven points that Indiana State scored <laughs> was a defensive scoop and score. You get to Louisville, where Indiana was down 21 to nothing at halftime, and I'm ready to throw the remote through the TV. 
And I, I told my grandmother, because we were watching the game, I was like, good God, this is the worst I've ever seen IU play. <laughs> I can't stand it. I'm ready to just clean house. So my frustrations really started week three against Louisville. It's been a boil over of last year. <laughs> you take Akron to quadruple overtime. Ooh, Maybe, that was horrible. Honestly, even though it was a win, it might have been. it might still be the most embarrassing game of the season. Just because there was no inspiration – there was nothing that Tom Allen preaches. You don't take a team in Akron and go to quadruple overtime. And, and like I said, it's not a bash to the Mac schools. It's not a bash to Akron. You're a Power 5 program. You're Indiana Hoosiers. Now, obviously, the expectation of IU basketball is much different than IU football. But Correct. with that being said, if you are what you want to be, and that's a team that can go uh, 500 and make it to a bowl game, then you can't have games like that against Akron. No, and I, I, a lot of people would argue, well, it's a win. Well, yeah, it is a win, but it's the way that you win. You're not doing anything that you preach, and that is love each other. Be out there together. Fight for each other in the yeah. trenches. You don't see that anymore. You saw that the first couple or the first couple years of Tom Allen. Yeah. The last three years, you haven't seen it. It's lost its lust. It really has. And then you get absolutely <laughs> pounded at Maryland. Now, yes, Maryland is much improved. But Maryland just lost to a terrible Illinois team. So you can't tell me that Maryland is that good. And then you get beat by what I, who I think is the best team in the country in Michigan. If Michigan played Georgia ten times, Michigan would beat them nine times. I really do think so. Georgia's not as good as what people think. Michigan is the real deal. J.J. McCarthy might be the best quarterback that Michigan has ever had. I really think Michigan is the full package. But Dalton, I don't know what to think when I look at the rest of this schedule. I originally told myself when we were up seven to nothing against Michigan, <laughs> I was like, okay, we can beat Rutgers because they looked terrible against Michigan State. We could beat Illinois. We could beat Michigan State. We could beat Purdue. I look at the schedule now. IU won't win another game this year. It's it's disappointing. It, it really is. And. On our next episode, we're going to bring our buddy Derek Decker back on to kind of because he's a big IU football fan. He knows just as much about IU athletics as we do, yeah. um, and, and kind of get his perspective on things. But I think you're right. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think you're right in the sense of they won't win another game. I think they will compete with name who they're going to be. I think they will compete with Rutgers, but they'll end up getting beat. They'll Rutgers get, is five and two though. They'll get blown out by Penn State. They'll hang tough with Wisconsin and lose at the end. I think they will beat Illinois. I think they'll beat Michigan State, and I think they will beat Purdue. And I think you're crazy. <laughs> so you can think all you want. They're not going to win another game. They're and definitely they, not going to beat Rutgers. Greg Schiano's done a great job. They're not going to beat Penn State. They're the second-best team in the Big Ten behind Michigan. Wisconsin is too good defensively for IU to even have a first down in that game. And then you play Illinois, who's terrible, but will beat IU just because it's at Illinois. And then Michigan State, I don't know, because they don't have a coach. Right. Who knows? Maybe they <laughs> can beat Michigan State and get lucky, but Purdue will beat them by 100, and Purdue is the worst team in the West. So, I, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. I do. I, I truly do. But I do think that IU, this is going to be their second week um, under a new offensive coordinator. So, I, I think the offense will get clicking I, I like some of the play calls they made, but I've also looked at some of the play calling last week against Michigan and thought, oh, my goodness, are we back to Walt Bell again? So 
I, I don't know. I, I know, the, which is going to lead me into my next topic, or our next topic, which is the topic surrounding Bloomington and IU football. Is it time for Tom Allen to go? And what? if so, here's the circumstances. His buyout is $20 million, and that's what it would cost for IU football to move on after this season. What would it cost to keep him? And that's the math that IU football is working through right now. Here's the problem. Before we start talking about Tom Allen, you have to have players to win <laughs> games. Okay? I agree. It doesn't matter how good the coach is, and I'm not going to sit here and defend Tom Allen because I'm the one that wants him out. And a lot of the, the, the issue with him not having players is because he doesn't recruit the right guys. Okay, so let's first say that. I do agree, though, with some of the coaching decisions that happened in the Michigan game. Brendan Sorbsby is the starter. He needs to be the starter. He's the best option that IU has at the quarterback position. At the beginning of the year, I would have told myself I was crazy saying that because I thought Taven Jackson was the answer. Taven Jackson is not very good. Neither is Sorbsby. They're both freshmen. They both need more time. But right now, what I saw Saturday at Michigan and what I saw against Maryland, Sorbsby is the better quarterback. He, he, he runs the ball better. I think he throws the ball better. I think he's a little bit more accurate, not in the longer throws, but in the shorter throws. But when does IU ever look downfield? They don't ever look downfield. So why not put a quarterback in there that helps you succeed in the kind of game you want to call, and that's those short throws. Sorbsby is the answer. And I think I'll back you up on that. I, I'm like you at the beginning of the season, uh, and, and we were tailgating at that IU-Ohio State game when Soresby was named the starter, we both looked at our friend Cody and said, that's the stupidest thing they've ever done. Yeah. And was kind of on that Taven Jackson train, and now I, I would agree. I think Brendan Soresby has proven himself over time that, hey, I deserve to be in this starting role, not Taven Jackson. Yeah. And I hate to say that because I was a big Taven Jackson fan. I still am. I think that over time he will progress and he will be a, a starter. And I think, But you're not going to start over Soresby. Uh, Sorsby has proven himself. He's he's looked better. He's played better. Uh, I think that IU uh, has got a couple of quarterbacks that they can go to quarterback system with over the next couple of years, and we'll we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, in the off season as far as transfer portal goes and all that. But well, here's the thing: neither one of them should be starting. <laughs> no, they're not. As good soon enough. as Dexter Williams is healthy, he should be the starting quarterback. I really saw, and even though it was a short sample. And a small sample, I thought last year he won a game against Michigan State late when I used morale was in the dumps because they just came off of a two-win season. That was their fourth win. Yeah, they got blown out by Purdue, and yes, they lost to some of the teams when Dexter was the quarterback. But he can run it. He's got a good arm. He's got a little bit of experience. He's not any worse than Sorbsby or Jackson. Honestly, Williams should be the starter if he can get healthy and if they even have him on the depth chart anymore. He needs to be the starter, in my opinion. Okay, let's turn our attention to Tom Allen. Okay. Just just for a short second. Yeah. Because I, I want to bring this up because it's been a topic. For sure. I don't want to talk about it for a long time because, you know, you, know, you and I can talk about this all night long. Yeah. But the question is, is it time for Tom Allen to go? I'm going to go with my opinion I'll let you go with your opinion, and then we'll we'll kind of leave it at that. The buyout for Tom Allen at the end of this season is $20 million. Do I think IU can afford it? No. There's no way you can pay Tom Allen $20 million to pack up, get the heck out of there. Because I think on our next episode, when, you, when we talk to our good buddy Derek Decker, 
I think I know what his response is going to be when I say, okay, let's buy Tom Allen out for $20 million. Now who's going to be your coach? Nobody wants to go to Indiana and be a football coach. Nobody. I, I disagree, but go, keep going. I, I don't think anybody wants to go to IU to be a football coach unless you're at a high school level and you want to move up into the college ranks. And that's not a bash on IU. It is in a sense, but it's not. I don't mean that in, in a sense of it's a terrible place to go, whatever, but it's not an intriguing job. Who who wants to come into a facility that's, quite honestly, I think needs renovated? Um, Derek Decker will tell you the press box is awful. They're, they don't have the right practice facilities. Uh, it's just not an intriguing job, in my opinion. If you get rid of Tom Allen, then who? Okay, let's start with this. Number one, IU can buy out Tom Allen and IU will buy out Tom Allen because here's the thing. IU has more money than any other facility or any other college in the nation. They grossed the most of any college last year, 36-something million for athletics. Now, yeah, three-fourths of that is, is coming from basketball, but you paid out Archie Miller, and yes, those donors were basketball donors. You can do the same for Tom Allen. You can scramble up $20 million to buy him out. It's not a problem. They could do it very easily. They would just have to go out and ask for the money. Then and, who, the, and the university would pitch that money in. So the question was, do I believe that Tom Allen should be fired? Or do I believe they should buy him out? Yes, I do. I, I, Tom Allen is maybe one of the best people on this earth. But maybe one of the worst football coaches in the college level, at the college level. His motto was LEO, love each other, and it worked there for a short while, but it was not able to be sustained. You can't afford to continue to lose. And even though this is normal for IU, if you really want to improve your campus experience and you want to improve, because really when the football team's good, in my opinion, the basketball team's good. When the basketball team's good, I feel as though the football team should be good because they're complementary. Right now, you've got a good basketball team and a football team that's down in the dumps. I think they need to do a better job of collaborating. Now who? There's a couple people that you could go and point your finger to. Some people would disagree with me, but I think Pat Fitzgerald would be a great hire. I understand that there were some problems at Northwestern, but not all those problems he knew about. I think he would be a great fit. I think a guy like Paul Christ, the old coach at Wisconsin, mind you, he won eight or more games in every year he was at Wisconsin and still got canned. I'm not saying he could do that at IU, but he's a coach that has won and proves that he could win. I think the route a lot of teams are going to, and I'm not saying I support this by any means, but it's kind of that Deion Sanders type where you go get a player who's played and you bring them in, kind of like Coach Woodson on yeah. the basketball side, that has played, good player, had experience, brought people in. My other argument is you say it's not a very um, appealing job. Now, I agree that the facilities need to be updated. I do. It's time for updates. It's time for them to put money into it, like they did Assembly Hall with the renovations, like they've done with a lot of the other sporting facilities. It is an intriguing job, though, for coordinators who want to make a name for themselves. The example I always think of is Kalen DeBoer. He yeah. comes to IU, super successful coordinator, and now he's the head coach at Washington and they have a top-five team. Kane Womack, defensive coordinator when Kalen DeBoer was the offensive coordinator. He's now South Alabamans winning 10-plus games a year. This would be a great job, not saying that either of those guys would come back, 
but you need a coordinator who is super successful at one of those Power 5 conference teams, and that would be a great, a great fit for IU. It's a place for a coordinator to make a name for themselves. The program's terrible, so if you can come in and win eight or so games or seven or six games, you just took yourself from being a good coach to a great coach, and now you're going from IU, you're going to Texas, you know? I think that the job is appealing in that way, and I know that there's going to be people that agree and disagree with me. I think that is the recipe, though, and that's what IU needs to look for. They need to get rid of Allen. They need to get somebody who has college coaching experience and is willing to be a coordinator on the rise and wants to be a head coach, and I think that's where you're going to find lightning in a bottle. You're going to find a diamond in a rough that way. Well, I like it. Um it's going to be interesting. Will the question is, will they? <laughs> That's to be answered. I know IU <laughs> fairly well, just because I've been a fan for a long time. You know, I'm happy that we were able to convert you, by the <laughs> way. If I know IU, eventually they're going to want to win. Okay. I think they're probably going to be tired of being embarrassed. Now, Cody or whoever can disagree with me and say, well, they're the worst FBS program in history, and they are. They've got the most losses of any Power 5 team. With that being said, though, eventually enough is enough, and Scott Dolson or somebody in that athletic department has to <laughs> Somebody's step up and say, step up. enough is enough, and we've got to change this. This is their chance. This is Dolson's chance to say, okay, I'm not just going to focus on basketball. I'm going to invest some money. By the way, there's I there's NIL out there. Right. I agree. Indiana can bring in any kind of NIL they want if they really, truly wanted to do that. So it's just a matter of time. I think that you're going to see some major changes with Coach. I mean, of course, they got Coach Carey up on staff. I think it's just a matter of time. I really do. They finally got rid of Walt Bell. It's a step in the right direction. Here's the problem, though. You're just putting a Band-Aid on a cut. The problem <laughs> That's is an understatement. You need to get peroxide in there and really cl clean that <laughs> wound out. And the only way to do that is by cleaning house and starting over. I agree. Well, it's hard to believe we're already through another episode. <laughs> episode number nine, season one of In the Press Box. He's Josh Dakin. I'm Dalton Bishop. Glad we were able to do this. Yeah. Um, we're going to have to have another episode coming up in the next week or two. Uh, we'll keep you posted as best we can. On our next episode, we hope to have our good friend Derek Decker join us to talk a little bit more in depth of IU athletics as we get closer to basketball season. Ooh. We'll dive into IU basketball next episode and talk about some of the big signings and, and big things going on within the IU basketball realm of things. We'll also dive into uh, hopefully talking about some sectional football champions uh, and maybe talking about uh, just uh, the world of sports in general. Basketball season is near. I'm excited. I can't wait. Uh, Josh, just kind of your final thoughts as we wrap up another episode. Yeah, final thoughts. I, I, I'm happy that we're able to do this again. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we're kind of focusing on IU because I think there's always plenty enough to talk about. Not saying that every episode we're going to get on here and talk IU athletics. We've kind of talked about doing yeah. away with the two episodes a week kind of combining it into one episode and just trying to give the best of both worlds. Uh, me and you know IU. That's why we talk IU. Some of you like it, some of you don't. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I live and breathe it. I've been doing it since, you know, 2006, really. I mean, it's been a long time. Really have loved IU. So 
just happy to be doing this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see some of our sectional winners here this week, and hopefully the next couple of weeks we can bring to you some of the, those updates. And really excited to talk some IU basketball. I mean, Coach Woodson, if, if there's not a coach of the year already, Coach Woodson deserves it. I can't wait to kind of dive into that. And with Derek, talk not only IU football, but some IU basketball and really just kind of gets you prepared for what is going to be a great season for the Hoosiers. Absolutely. Well, if we do end up having some sectional winners, we're going to hopefully have a couple of the athletes on from some of the county schools to talk about their big victories and, and previewing the, the next week. We uh, Like we said, we hope to have our good friend Derek Decker back on to talk to you about IU football, IU basketball, and all things IU. Josh, uh, as always, it's fun. Looking forward to uh, the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Go Hoosiers. Se absolutely. Go Hoosiers. Season one, episode number nine of In the Press Box. Don't forget, best of luck to all the Grant County high school football teams in action this weekend for IHSAA sectional football. Don't forget, best of luck to the Madison Grant Lady Argyles. They are sectional champions. They will play in the regional Saturday morning against Muncie Burris. Best of luck to Coach Jump and the Lady Argyles. Until the next episode, enjoy your week. Watch lots of football. Root on the Hoosiers, and we'll talk to you next time.